Folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, you can find all of my writing, including a bunch of draft coverage, including a bunch of NBA trade coverage, over at milehighsports.com. There's a lot to cover. There's a lot to go over. And we kind of got like, some some nice tidbits today, uh, some, some little small bits of information uh, about what the Nuggets might do, how they're kind of approaching this position. And we also got a couple of uh, of interesting prospects that came in through the doors. Marjan Beauchamp, a big wing who played with the G League Ignite, played with Michael Porter Jr. for a year at Nathan Hale in Seattle. Uh, Trevion Williams, big kind of big man, power forward center type from Purdue. Very strong passing center. And then Michael Foster Jr., another player from the G League Ignite that the Nuggets brought in to just kind of see how he would operate. And I'm guessing kind of see how Trevion Williams would kind of operate in space a little bit against a bigger dude. But Bochamp was the headliner for sure at the workouts today for Denver. And it was interesting kind of being around. There was a lot of there was a lot of eyes on Bochamp. And I know that all of the coaches and all of the assistant coaches and front office execs are definitely like they're looking at everybody. They're they're at all of these workouts. But it did sort of feel like Marshawn Bochamp was drawing a lot of eyes and drawing a lot of the attention of the Nugget staff. And not really surprising. He is the the bell of the ball, so to speak. And I do think that if Denver is going to do anything in this draft, it's probably going to be to take a big wing, to take a wing player that can help on the defensive end. And Bochamp sort of represents that. He wasn't initially supposed to be in Denver, apparently. Uh, the Nuggets called his agent and scheduled this workout. They tried to make it happen. Make of that what you will. This is Denver's last draft workout. Um, I don't know if I necessarily make anything of it, but it is interesting that they tried to get him in the door. Apparently, he was very impressive. And he shot the ball really well in this workout. Uh, he said that the the wind, the, the altitude kind of caught up with him a little bit. But the actual shooting numbers, uh, they're, they're pretty good at the workout today. They're, they're never the most important thing. The most important thing is probably just to be there, see how he operates, see how he plays, and just kind of check the form on the shot. And it was pretty apparent that he worked on his shooting form after getting a lot of criticism, I would expect, from the shooting numbers that he did have. When he was at the G League Ignite, he shot about 24% from three or so. And we've seen some G League Ignite guys kind of struggle a little bit uh, in terms of the actual shooting. And it's not really surprising that he struggled sort of with the roundabout way, the roundabout path that he has undergone coming to the NBA. But I do think that he, like the, the fact that he's sort of changed up his shooting form, everything that kind of goes with that. That's an interesting sign, and if it looks better, if it looks good, then Denver might be very interested in a guy like Bochamp, because the first thing you notice when you see him, when you when you see him in person, is that he just looks like an NBA caliber wing. He's got the build, he's got the long arms, he's athletic, a bit of a wiry body, but still think he can add 15 to 20 pounds to his frame. Listed at about six six and a half in shoes and 197 pounds at the Combine. That looks about right. 
Like he seems to me like a guy who's going to be 6'6", 6, 6'7", 6, 215 when he's in his prime, which is exactly the size that most teams are going to be looking for in the draft going forward. Let's be honest. Uh, the Celtics, they're very overloaded with wing prospects and wing players. The Warriors have their own guys in Andrew Wiggins and Clay Thompson and players of that caliber. It's just sort of the way that the game is evolving and moving today. And I'm not surprised that he is a guy that I think that he should be rising up draft boards more than he is. I'm surprised that he hasn't so far. But we got to speak to him today and spent a lot of time. He did spend, spent a lot of time talking about his defense. And it's nice to hear from guys that, that wanted to speak about their defense. He said he wanted to have an early impact, like a like a Herb Jones type. Also said that uh, he looks at Mikhail Bridges as a guy that he can emulate when he got into the NBA. Also said he the skills he wanted to bring to the table were defense, transition, and cutting, calling himself the best open floor player in the draft. Really interesting stuff. I love all of that, and the numbers sort of back it up when you're when you're looking at his draft film from the G League. He averaged 2.4 stocks per game. Uh, it's sort of hard to find some of those numbers on the G League website, but 2.4 combined steals and blocks at the G League, which is moderately higher than just about any other wing in this general range. It's not as high as Tari Eason. It's not as high as some of the bigs that are kind of around that they're a little bit closer to the paint and it's harder to get steals and blocks as a perimeter player in college. But Bochamp, he looks the part of a solid defender. He strikes me as a great fit for what the Nuggets are doing right now, what they're trying to do. He should be a wing that I think interests every single playoff team. Because what you're looking for at this stage, especially for Denver, Bochamp clearly knows what his role is going to be. He knows what the Nuggets want him to say, and he might have some other aspirations to be clear, but I'm just, I'm very impressed when I hear, okay, I don't know if I necessarily need to score in order to make an impact. I can be a defender. I can be a role player. I don't necessarily have to have the ball in my hands all the time in order to make an impact. And that's what Herb Jones is. That's what Mikhail Bridges is. Those guys know what they're doing, and they make it work in the NBA. So I'm very curious to see whether Bochamp can evolve into that. Bridges was drafted, I think, what, 10th overall in the NBA draft in 2018? But Herb Jones was drafted, I think, like 37th or somewhere around there. He's 22 years old. He was a senior from Alabama, was the SEC Defensive Player of the Year, it was pretty clear that he was going to be a good defender early. And so I think when you're trying to identify the best defensive prospects that you can, you have to identify the guys that were successful in college. Some of those traits might not translate to the NBA. But for the vast majority of it, you need somebody that's been successful, that knows what they're doing, that isn't going to just be a complete liability when they enter the league, they, they kind of have to have those skills or they just won't really ever develop them. So I'm not really surprised that Bochamp is a guy that I like because he strikes me as a player that when you watch him on film, he can shut down some guys. He can use his length and his athleticism and his intelligence 
in order to be a great one-on-one defender, but also get into some passing lanes, deflect the ball, be a rebounder, uh, be a weak side rim protector of sorts. He is going to be a player that sort of flies all up and down. And you love those guys. You love to have those guys on your team because they truly make a difference. They really, really do. So I expect that Denver will probably take a hard look at him. Uh, They probably won't take a hard look at Trevion Williams, who also worked out today. Once again, six foot nine, big man in shoes, weighed in a 265 at the combine. The dude is huge. He's an absolute unit. That was, I think, the the big takeaway from uh, being next to him today. Elite passing big man, pretty impressive skill set for a below the rim big. Somebody that uh, if you're if you're looking for the Nikola Jokic's of the college ranks, he's a very very good candidate because he's got a pretty solid post game. He's got the elite passing vision, can execute a bunch of different passes. And he's a player that uses kind of the below average athleticism to just make it work for him. Now, Williams talked about looking up to Jokic as a passing big man, which always gets you brownie points, of course. But he also talked about his defense and how he was able to switch one through five at that level and thinks he can do the same thing at the NBA level. He could definitely do it in college. I, I don't disagree about that. I'm not really sure if it's going to translate, though. He had the slowest lane agility time and the shuttle run at the combine. Doesn't really bode very well. Also had the third slowest sprint in the three-quarter court drill. He strikes me as a player that's more of a summer league guy or an undrafted free agent guy. That Denver, then they just... He doesn't necessarily strike me as a player that they're going to move up to acquire in the second round. And that's fine. Like He does... Seem like he has a, a bunch of NBA caliber skills. There are going to be some physical limitations, though. And for a team like Denver, they're looking for all of the players around Jokic, Murray, Porter, Bones. All of those guys have to be able to play defense. All of them have to be able to move. So I'm not really surprised that Denver's in the spot with him. Um, I do think that as I continue to look at this draft, as I continue to look at the players that Denver's adding into these pre-draft workouts, what they're looking for. Every time I see one of these wings come in, I'm reminded that Denver, they don't really have any. They move them all. P.J. Dozier got injured. Will Barton, probably out the door. Denver needs to stock up on players on the wing and just completely revamp that unit. It's unfortunate that that has to be such a a massive undertaking for this year, but I really do think that if Denver doesn't add at least three guys to the wing spot, then they're probably not doing themselves enough of a favor in order to get to be the team that they are supposed to be. I think it's important for Denver to add young talent to the pipeline. They've always had it. Jokic, Murray, Gary Harris at that point, Will Barton at that point, Michael Porter. They had Wancho and Beasley. Those guys kind of didn't stick around, but other guys that did stick around were Monte Morris and Zeke Naji and now Bones Highland and guys like that. Denver should be cycling through some of these guys and 
trading a whole bunch of picks as they have, it's tough. You're you're putting yourself into a position where you don't have as many options there. I do think that they've had kind of a lacking amount of wings for a long time. And that has to be rectified either at the draft, at free agency, with trades, or all of the above. In my opinion, it should be all of the above. Right now, my current players, the top five players that I think the Nuggets should draft outside the lotto. These are the players that are not projected in the lottery right now. So take out your Jeremy Sohans, your Dyson Daniels, your AJ Griffins, guys like that. The first player is Tari Eason. I doubt that he falls below 17 or so. But if he does, if if he happens to fall, then he strikes me as a player that would be very helpful. I actually don't think he's going to fall past 19 if that's the case. So Denver would probably have to trade up for uh, above Tim Connolly in order to make that happen. But number one is Tari Eason. Number two is still Jalen Williams. I think that he's a guy that can play good defense, but is also just going to make Denver very just difficult to guard offensively. He has the versatility. He has the skill set to be able to help out in every single way. And that's very important to me. Number three, Marshawn Bochamp. Really impressive. Not really surprised that he's moved up in this way. But I do think that he is also a player that Denver can add to their pipeline of six foot seven guys and make sure that they are bolstering that spot as opposed to kind of ignoring it for a while. He is a guy that you throw into the pipeline for a while and expect to be very, very helpful. Maybe not this year, not maybe not this coming year, but over the next hopefully decade. Number four, Dale and Terry, kind of the same thing, a little bit different from Bochamp. I think that Bochamp is probably more of a shooter than Terry is. Terry is more and and like shooter and scorer. Marjan Bochamp seems to have some more instincts in that regard that would be helpful. Terry doesn't, but he has good playmaking and passing instincts that really make up for it. And he's got the length and the athleticism on the wing that you're looking for for your perimeter defenders. He would be a great pick. And number five, Wendell Moore. Not really sure why he's still Outside of the first round, seems like a guy that has a a floor of 30, in my opinion, where if Denver is still on the board and he's available at 30, they should probably draft him. It would behoove them to draft him. He's going to be a guy that's very similar to Gary Harris, very similar to us, and especially kind of the Gary Harris that we thought Denver was going to be getting back in 2017-18. When he was more of a playmaker, more of an off the dribble guy, could be a play like could be a passer, but also solid scorer, solid defender. And those are the five. I think that if Denver walks away with at least one of those guys in the draft on Thursday, that would be a great, great win. It may not happen. Denver might decide to trade one or both of those picks. But if they hold on to one and they get one of those guys, you at least get something there. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss some of the rumors that have been going on around the NBA. But first, summer is here and there's no better time to make your first bet with Superbook Sports. 
Along with its usual vast betting menu, Superbook already has a lineup for every pro football game this fall. Plus, when you make your first deposit on the Superbook app or sign up at Superbook.com, they will match 100% of your money up to $500. It's never too early to start thinking about football at Superbook Sports. Place your bet and start winning today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Back, pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. It could be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. As you know, five stars, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. That would be awesome. That would be fantastic. Okay, I want to talk about some rumors that have been popping up across the NBA as the draft nears. It, it does sort of feel like the NBA is bubbling below the surface right now. Denver made that trade of Jermichael Green to OKC. Houston made a trade of Christian Wood to Dallas for the 26th overall pick. Those are relatively smaller deals in the scope of what could happen, whether it's uh, in the draft, in free agency, whatever the hell's going on. I have Twitter open just in case anything drops. I don't think it will, but it does feel like things are they're coming pretty close here. Not sure if it's going to happen on draft night, but I do think the Denver stuff will happen on draft night. We'll see about the rest of this stuff. But Shamsharania came out with his, uh, I think his notebook on The Athletic of all of the rumors and the machinations that are going on around the NBA right now. And the leading article there, the leading topic, was Kyrie Irving being at an impasse with the Brooklyn Nets, and that the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Knicks are rumored destinations in a signed trade if he can't come to an agreement. Now, the big thing here comes with the fact that Kyrie Irving has been completely unreliable in Brooklyn so far. He's barely played enough games. He didn't get vaccinated and thus was out due to non-vaccinated status for much of the COVID time. But even beyond that, it's just kind of a difficult player to deal with for a lot of this time, and I'm not really surprised that the Nets are not willing to commit to a long-term extension on this like five years, $250 million for a player like Kyrie. Because we just saw what happened where, sure, they didn't have Ben Simmons in the series against the Celtics, and that might have had an impact because he's the guy that guards Tatum. But it sort of felt like Kyrie couldn't really do anything, and that he just was the guy that they were picking on pretty consistently on the defensive end, while not necessarily being as impactful as he needed to be offensively, kind of gave up towards the end of that series, which Denver didn't give up. They were like game four against the Warriors, looking pretty bleak, obviously, but Denver never gave up. They, they gave it their all and made sure that they at least got a game. The Nets didn't do that. They were They were pretty pathetic. In all honesty, not lost on me is the fact that the Clippers are still somewhat searching for a point guard here. The Lakers, it makes complete sense. Like, Nets, 
like uh, non Nets, uh, with Russell Westbrook there, if they could flip Russell Westbrook for Kyrie Irving, they would do it, especially like given all the shit that's gone down over there. Russell Westbrook is not a good fit. Kyrie Irving, in theory, would be. He's played with LeBron before, and if they could sort of avoid all the drama that sort of comes with it, then that would be a great move that would get the Lakers out of purgatory. I don't think that they're going to be able to do that. I don't think that the the Nets are going to be interested in doing that because they don't have enough assets in Lakerland in order to acquire a guy like Kyrie Irving. The Knicks do. They'd probably have to move some salary, but it does sort of seem like they could give up one of their picks, maybe multiple. They have a hole at point guard. They would definitely want a guy like Kyrie. He would be a very, very big draw in Madison Square Garden for sure. And then there's the Clippers. Like They seem to be popping up in a lot of point guard rumors. Heard Matt Moore today on the Unlocked on talk about how does sort of seem like Kawhi Leonard wants a point guard in uh, where kind of wherever he goes, but with the Clippers especially. That's kind of interesting to think, to think about. But Kyrie Irving would make sense there. They're, like The Clippers are one of the only teams that has so much talent that they don't necessarily need to be at their best possible performance in order to win a title going forward. They have two very strong superstar, star caliber pieces in Kawhi and Paul George. So I'm not really surprised that they're kind of getting involved in this, especially if it doesn't cost them that heck of a lot. If it's Norman Powell, uh, Marcus Morris, and Terrence Mann or something like that, I'm sure that they'd probably be fine doing that. I don't know if they're going to do that, but it's not that bad of an idea. If you're the Clippers, if you're the Nets, then you might not be interested in that, but they might they might not be able to get a better deal than that anyway. So I am monitoring that for sure. I mentioned on my article with My Life Sports that a Monte Morris for Terrence Mann swap with the Clippers might benefit both teams. That obviously goes out the window if they trade for Kyrie Irving, but uh, Monte Morris would make sense as either a starting or backup point guard playing alongside or behind Reggie Jackson. He makes a lot of, like, Morris makes a lot of sense as kind of a stabilizer there. And then Terrence Mann would be kind of that athletic guard, guard defender especially, that the Nuggets are really hoping to acquire. He might not be the starter, but he would definitely be a piece of the puzzle that Denver could incorporate for sure. So it's an interesting move, I think, for both teams, and it's I think it's pretty equivalent value for sure. Next is Miles Bridges. Apparently, Miles Bridges wants a max or something close to that. And as a small forward who averaged about 20 a game last year, it makes a lot of sense. He's a young player with a, with a lot of athleticism, with a lot of gifts and talents that he can definitely vouch for that. That's definitely something you can do. I do think that given that the Grizzlies have a lot of cap space, they might be intrigued. Charlotte doesn't seem like they want to give him that big deal, that max, and they may not necessarily want to match a big deal for the max. The Grizzlies might. They're in a position right now with John Morant 
Jaron Jackson Jr., that they have the infrastructure, I think, to acquire a big wing. Desmond Bain as well. Like, you put together a lineup that includes John Morant, Desmond Bain, Miles Bridges, Jaron Jackson Jr., and let's say Brandon Clark for small ball fives and Steven Adams for big ball fives. It makes a lot of sense. So athletic, so impressive. Uh, They would be a very, very fun team to watch. But they may not be able to clear that cap space unless they let Tyus Jones walk, unless they let Kyle Anderson walk. Denver also could be a candidate to help them out here. Denver has this traded player exception that they just acquired from the Oklahoma City Thunder deal. It's technically $8.2 million, and DeAnthony Melton technically makes $8.25 million, but there is a $100,000 kind of flex, flexible spending thing that uh, I can't really explain that well, but Bronco Squatch explained to me that DeAnthony Melton would actually be a guy that fits into that traded player exception just barely. And if that were the case, then DeAnthony Melton comes to Denver. The Grizzlies, they then clear $8 million to sign a player like Miles Bridges. Is that a small price to to pay in order to get a player of Miles Bridges' caliber into the building, especially somebody that's young that can grow with Jaw with Desmond Bain, with Jaron Jackson, that feels like a really impressive young quartet that I think the Grizzlies would be very happy to pay for. Watch out for that. That definitely feels like there's some potential there, even if it's not Denver. Like, Miles Bridges definitely strikes me as a Memphis-type player. Also, Malcolm Brogdon and Miles Turner both being shopped by the Indiana Pacers Feels like there's a lot of teams that are interested in Malcolm Brogdon's services, and though it sounds like they are striking a pretty hard bargain here, it does feel like Malcolm Brogdon is available. I'm not surprised that it feels that way, because it just seems like Indiana should be moving into a different stage of their tenure. And having Tyrese Halliburton there, he and Malcolm Brogdon are very similar type players. Not necessarily elite scorers, not necessarily elite stars, but they're elite connectors and you need those guys on your team in order to win. But if you have both of them and you don't have a star, then that kind of defeats the purpose. So I'm not surprised that they're looking to move him or at least interested in moving him. He's going to turn 30. He's not quite there yet and he's a little bit injury prone too. If I were Denver, I would be interested in a player like Malcolm Brogdon. I wrote about it. I think that he would be a great fit for Denver's team. I doubt that Denver really gets seriously into those Brogdon sweepstakes because if, let's say, the Washington Wizards are throwing around the number 10 pick, does Bones and the 21st pick kind of make up the difference there? I think it probably does, but is Denver willing to do that? Maybe not. We're going to see. We're going to see, though, but... Malcolm Brogdon seems to be available. Miles Turner seems to be available. That one's kind of interesting because they did just trade DeMonte Sabonis in part to kind of free up Miles Turner and definitely clear the books there. But it might be that they move both of those guys, Turner and Sabonis. 
And I'm not really surprised by that because, like I said, kind of moving into a different phase. Miles Turner feels like a guy that he's going to want big money. And Indiana might not be willing to pay him big money when they don't have a star on their roster yet, or at least somebody that's developed cleanly into a star. So I'll be interested to see how they do it. Next is Atlanta. Still feels like Atlanta is bubbling. They could go any different direction, and I don't think anybody would be really surprised outside of if they move Trey Young. I've thought about configurations where Michael Porter Jr. goes and reunites with Trey Young and John Collins and Bogdan Bogdanovich find a way to come to Denver. I don't think that Denver can make that happen, and I don't think that Atlanta can make that happen either. It does sort of seem like a very uh, a deal that doesn't necessarily make sense for either team. But it's fun to think about, and given the relationship that Trey and Michael Porter have, I'm not really surprised that it's something that I think people would be interested in doing in Atlanta, but they do need defense, and Michael Porter's not really going to solve those issues, though he would, in theory, kind of help space the floor a little bit for that Trey Young pick and roll, and they could also potentially do some 1-4 pick and roll stuff where... Trey kind of has Michael Porter screen and pop for him, and then Porter kind of creates for himself. There's a lot of fun things that they could do together. I don't think it happens. It would probably make more sense for Collins to go to a different team anyway. Portland makes some sense there. They've apparently been targeting OG Ananobi. Not sure it's going to quite happen that way, but John Collins for the seventh overall pick. That sort of feels like an interesting move, and then maybe they maybe Atlanta flips the seventh overall pick to go get another star or something like that. Like seven, sixteen, and a couple future firsts for Bradley Beal in a sign and trade. That would be interesting. Finally, PJ Tucker opting out of his deal to explore free agency. Probably not a fit in Denver, given that they have Jeff Green already as kind of a backup to Zeke Naji, who's a backup to Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter. But P.J. Tucker's a good defender. He's a veteran. Probably not the fit, but still would be intriguing to see which contender could acquire him. I don't think he's going to make a big difference for a team like the Lakers, but maybe he would. Maybe that's something that I'm not giving enough credence to. But there's also a possibility that he goes back to Milwaukee. There's a possibility that he goes to Phoenix. Uh, I'm very curious to see which contender ponies up for him because maybe it's Miami. Like maybe he goes back there and he's he's happy with that. But I am very curious to see what he could do. If he's kind of the player that he was in the playoffs, then he's still very helpful for pretty much every team. And then actually the last thing, Jaden Ivey, probably going to be drafted at the, at the four spot. Maybe not by the Kings, though. Seems like they are continuing to shop that pick around for anybody that wants it. I'm not sure who should trade up to four. Like, I, I, if I were the Pistons, I would really hope that Keegan Murray gets drafted at four by the Kings, and then they can draft Jaden Ivey at five, play him and Kate Cunningham next together, uh, next to each other for the foreseeable future. That would be pretty cool if I were the if I were the Pistons, but I don't know. Maybe it's the Wizards. Maybe they try to move up and get Jaden Ivey as a long-term guard replacement. Maybe it's the Knicks. 
Uh, maybe it's maybe it's the Spurs. Maybe they're looking to move Dejounte and they they try to replace him with somebody like a Jaden Ivy long term. It would fit their timeline a little bit better. And there's some there's some utility in that to just kind of going full rebuild and maybe trying to get to the Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes for next year. That'll be a very fun thing for them after they go from David Robinson to Tim Duncan. And you go to Victor Wembanyama. That'll be very interesting. All right, that's pretty much all I have. Not a lot of Nuggets news to really go over specifically. My guess is that the Nuggets stuff is going to be quiet for Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, we're going to start hearing some big things. Whether that actually happens or not remains to be seen. But Denver, they are being pretty vocal in terms of wanting to upgrade some stuff. So maybe we hear some things coming out tomorrow. Either way, big stuff on the way. And I hope you stay tuned in here to Pickaxe and Roll because I'm going to be talking about it all. And I'm going to be having on a special guest tomorrow. So should be a lot of fun. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support as always. Like I said, guest tomorrow, we will talk all nugget stuff, all manner of things. And if there is some big news to, to go over, then we will go over that for sure. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.